Before we hop into today's episode of the podcast, I want to tell you guys about someone I've been partnering with over the past few months. The name of the company is 2 Before, and if you guys are looking to take your training to the next level, 2 Before is the right product for you. 2 Before is blackcurrant powder, and blackcurrants are antioxidant berries grown in New Zealand. Studies have shown that consuming them regularly improves endurance by increasing blood flow and removing lactic acid. It's used by professional running team 10 Man Elite, as well as teams in the NFL, NBA, and the NCAA. There was one study that showed that using two before consistently can improve your athletic performance by 4.6%. And so as I look to close out this fall on a high note with my training, as well as get in some really quality training this winter, two before is going to become a staple pre-run, pre-workout. I absolutely love this stuff. I've worked with two before for a long time. For this reason, it's become a staple in my daily training and life routine. Because of that, you guys can get 30% off at two before with code the running effect 30. Not only does this get you guys 30% off, but also free shipping. And I've left a link in the show notes. Again, highly recommend this product. And I definitely recommend at least trying it out once and seeing if it works for you. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to the podcast. Today, I have a special episode for you. Nutrition is something that gets talked about quite a bit in sports circles, specifically running, something that I get asked a lot about, and I'm in no position to give any sort of professional responses to these questions. So the other day, I threw up a poll on Instagram and got a ton of responses and brought on my good friend, uh, Jen Ho. She is a highly accomplished registered dietitian with a Bachelor of Science in Kinesiology, a minor in Nutrition, and a Master of Science in Nutrition and Dietetics with a sports nutrition emphasis. Uh, so she's more than qualified to answer your questions surrounding nutrition. And that is literally all today's episode. It's just answering your questions and hopefully giving you guys greater insight into sports nutrition that you can apply into your everyday life. If you do happen to enjoy today's episode, consider sharing the show with a friend, a friend who knows of the podcast, a friend who doesn't. Uh, it helps us to reach new people in the process. And today's episode is particularly valuable. So through sharing today's episode, hopefully we can help some people in the process and you can be a part of uh, spreading the good news, spreading the word and uh, helping as many people as possible. Uh, also consider giving us a follow on Instagram at The Running Effect. And if you really, really enjoyed today's episode, consider giving us a follow and a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. With all of those notes aside, I hope you all enjoy my conversation and this deep dive on nutrition with the one and only Jennifer Ho. Jennifer Ho, welcome to the Running Effect podcast. I should say welcome back. You're a recurring guest at this point, second time on. How are you doing this afternoon or morning, whatever time it is in New Zealand? Midday. Midday, <laughs> okay. right now, yeah. Um, thanks so much, Dominic, for having me on again. Really excited to be here and just chat again. So today's kind of focus is kind of a deep dive on sports nutrition, which we did a little bit of the first episode, but um, today's focus is a lot more of like answering the listener of the running effects questions surrounding nutrition. It's such a interesting, complex, but also very simple at times subject as we'll probably get into. I guess a good place to start, and we had a discussion about this is, you know, a lot of people are curious as to how you even become a registered dietitian. So before we answer the people's questions, Jen, can you answer that question of how does one become a registered dietitian and what was that path like for you? Yeah, great question. Um, And the last time I was on your podcast, too, I received a few questions about um, how I became an RD from current dietetic students. So it's really kind of exciting to see you go full circle because I remember being in that position, too, once. 
Um, so I started at a four-year uh, college doing my degree in kinesiology. I thought I wanted to be an athletic trainer or a physical therapist. I knew I wanted to be around sports, um, but nutrition wasn't really on my radar at that time. Um, I did eventually pick up a minor in nutrition, but that wasn't until um, one of the athletic trainers I was shadowing connected me with the dietitian, and I started to learn more about what sports nutrition looked like. So I did a lot of internship hours. We joke around and call it unpaid labor because we're essentially just trying to gain experience. But as an intern, it's most likely going to be unpaid. So um, did my four-year degree. I took a year off in between um, that and my master's just to gain some more experience. And then I went to the University of Utah to do a two-year coordinated program where I did my dietetic internship and my master's degree in two years. Um, the internship itself was 1,200 hours, so a lot of practical experience from there. Um, and then after completing all of that, you have to take a board exam um, to get the RD letters after your name. So I probably studied full-time for that for about a month. Um, sat, took it, passed, and never want to do that ever again. <laughs> it was probably the worst test I've ever taken. So um, in order to keep those credentials, we have to do 75 um, units of continuing education over a five-year period. So I'm currently working through that um, to just keep the credentials there so I don't have to retake that test. So that's kind of the, um, the education, the academic path uh, to becoming an RD. And then for the sports specific part, um, I haven't gotten my CSSD, which is Certified Specialist in Sports Dietetics yet, but I have been working in the sports setting pretty much all of my career. So it's kind of the only, only world I know. So basically you are beyond qualified to answer these questions. That's what that whole response told me. Um, and we covered this, I think the first time we talked, uh, but I think it's worth noting again for new listeners as they're always popping up here and there, uh, just the importance of the term registered dietitian. Anyone can call themselves a nutritionist, whereas to become a registered dietitian, you have to go through all of the craziness that Jen had to. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, there's a lot of nutritionists out there and really the main difference is that registered dietitian you have to go through all that schooling the board exam the continuing education a nutritionist anyone can really label themselves as one and it could look like a health coach or um, nutrition professional you know there's a <laughs> lot of different names for nutritionists um, but you want to look for registered dietitian or registered dietitian nutritionist when seeking nutrition advice. Right. And that's a like legally protected term, right? Uh, so mm -hmm. you could get technically sued if you're calling you. So we'll, we'll say, um, nutrition advice with, uh, Jen, who's a registered dietitian and we can call myself a nutrition expert, Dominic Schleter, because, uh, yeah. I don't get sued or anything to prove the silliness <laughs> of the term. So, um, we're going to dive into some of these questions, uh, and go rapid fire style. Feel free to elaborate as much as you want to, but um, there's no way we're going to get through all of these. So we'll see how many we can cover in like a 30 minute period. First question here from Andrew. Andrew asked, how do you time your meals? Yeah. So very broad question. I think we got to ask, are we timing our meals just for every day or are we timing our meals before, after our runs, our training? Um, so if we're just saying general day to day, 
no training planned, you generally want to aim for every three to four hours to have a meal. Within one hour of waking up, just to control the blood sugar hormones to start your day off right. And from there, every three to four hours. If you have training involved, it's good to work backwards from that. So if you are training at 5 a.m., it's probably unlikely that you're going to get up super early to eat for that. So that'll look like maximizing that 30 minutes beforehand um, to have something quick to have. Now, if you are training in the afternoon, that's when we'll work backwards. Say, when did you eat lunch? Has it been more than two hours? Should we have a snack before then? So generally speaking, um, find out what time you're training and then work backwards with hours from there. I'm sure it's also incredibly individualistic. Like if you're at school versus work versus the summer when you could probably, uh, if you're like a high schooler, you know, you have so much flexibility in your schedule as well as, um, curious to hear your thoughts on this. I think it's almost always better to eat more than eat less. Like it's way better to eat more calories, uh, and maybe even it be one pound more as a result rather than under fueled going into a session. Oh, absolutely. If you are a highly active individual, um, you never really want to be in an under fueled state because that will increase your risk for injury, decrease performance, um, things that you don't want. So definitely better to err on the side of more than less when you're training. Another question from Pierce. Thoughts on liquid calories? Liquid calories are great, especially when if you, ex- if, if, if you experience stomach upset before your runs um, or even after your runs and you're trying to get calories in, liquids are most easily digested by our bodies. So that can be a really good way to get the calories that you need in without causing a lot of GI upset. Um, and if you're someone who has a heavy training load and you are doing all the right things with food, eating every three to four hours, eating snacks, etc., and you're still not getting enough calories, that's when the liquids can come in as well to help supplement. Brayson asked, does soda, uh, a lot of people call it pop, does soda slash pop uh, have an effect on runners? The effect is defined I, loosely there. I think he probably means is it good yeah. or bad. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say there's much nutritional benefit from soda, generally speaking. Uh, from a performance perspective, I know back in the day, flat Coca-Cola used to be a thing um, because it gave you that sugar um, and your body's able to digest that and use it for energy. But if you're just drinking carbonated soda before a run, you're probably going to get real bubbly not gonna and be fun. Be really uncomfortable. Yes, <laughs> probably not going to be the best experience. So I would just say skip the soda for your, before your training. Uh, another question, Aubrey asked, opinions on animal-based diet that lots of influencers are promoting, beef, fruit, dairy, etc. I hate that we've come to this world. <laughs> <laughs> the influencers are promoting. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think the biggest thing when it comes to the best diet for, for yourself is the one that's going to make you feel good and the one that you can do for the rest of your life. So if you're constantly switching from carnivore to keto to intermittent fasting to paleo every other month, that's going to cause a lot of stress on your body. So if you love the animal-based diet, um, granted, there will have to be some tweaks to it if you have performance goals, because if I'm remembering it correctly, it's a bit lower in carbohydrate and higher in protein. Um, so if it's performance goals, if there are performance goals involved, then there might be 
there might need to be some tweaks. But um, if we're just generally speaking about diets, the one that you can do for the rest of your life and the one that makes you feel good is what's most important. I'm going to give some uh, context to this question because a lot of these questions, there's not too much context. I think, at least in my opinion, feel free to disagree. Um, This question I'm about to ask differs depending on audience. Um, Specifically, if you're older, you're trying to lose weight, I think it's a different conversation versus our audience, very young. I don't think you should be considering dieting whatsoever. Maybe you'll disagree. Mm -hmm. The question from Alex is, should I be dieting in high school to become a really good track or cross-country runner? No. I wouldn't recommend dieting and I would even challenge that mindset and pivot towards fueling and making sure you're getting enough food um, in order to perform, especially for high school athletes. Remember, you're still growing, your bones are still growing. So making sure that you're getting enough, maybe even a little surplus to account for the fact that your body is still growing while you're trying to perform. A question from Micah. He asked, are any sweeteners like stevia, monk fruit, sucralose, et cetera, bad or okay for you as an athlete? Great question. There are a lot of sugar alternatives out there nowadays. And around training, I would be cautious with them just because they can cause stomach upset. Um, Our bodies aren't really used to digesting sugar alcohols or um, artificial sweeteners. So if you are having a bar or a drink and you notice um, that before your runs, when you have them, you start to have a stomach ache or you're just not feeling quite right, then it could be worth trying something else um, in place of that because those sugar alternatives in high amounts can have effect on performance. Nathan asked, is red meat more beneficial for distance runners than chicken or fish? I'll revise this question to ask, uh, like, could you just explain the differences between the three because i think it depends on the purpose right (laughs) if you want more b vitamins probably red meat but that doesn't mean it's better necessarily yeah it's it's really kind of down to individual preference for that beef is going to be higher in our micronutrients so like our iron b vitamins exactly what you said um, but it'll be a little higher in saturated fat versus chicken will be lower in saturated fat but won't be as rich in micronutrients it'll still have some but not as much as beef And then fish will have the omega-3 fatty acids, which you won't find in chicken or beef. So it's kind of the thing where you say everything in moderation, because that's where you get the variety in your diet and you're getting a little bit of nutrients from everything. Julia asked, what should you eat on a day where your race is in the afternoon? Obviously, I'm sure this is individual specific, but uh, in an ideal registered dietitian's world, what would you do? (laughs) Yeah, so exactly what we kind of opened up with, start with what time is your race and work back from there. So if your race, say, is at 4 p.m. and you want to have a full meal three to four hours before that, so around noon to one, you'll have a full meal, carbs, healthy fats, protein. And then one hour or 30 minutes to one hour before that race, you want to top up your energy stores with simple carbohydrates. So that could be like a little applesauce pouch. That could be a slice of bread with some jam or nut butter, banana, things like that, just to top up um, your energy stores. But that's kind of the main um, two points before your race, that 30 minutes to one hour and then the three to four hours before that. 
Brayden asked, can you cover vitamin deficiencies and if supplements are necessary? That's an interesting question for like a broad audience. Um, obviously, vitamin deficiencies are very individual. Um, most likely, you'll have to be on supplements to get your body up back to normal range. However, food first is definitely more important once you're in that normal range. So I always say food first, but not food always. Let's use iron as an example. If you're low in iron, it's probably going to be very hard to get your levels back up just through food. So you'll use the supplements to get your levels back into normal range. But once you're in normal range, then you would transition off of it um, and focus on getting it through food to maintain those levels. A question from Tyler. He said, do I need to get food in myself after I run and before I do my little core circuit? So I think he means <laughs> he runs and then he goes into some sort of like gym training session. Uh, so what would yeah. you do? Depends on how long the run was and how long your gym session is. So if your run was more than an hour, quite high intensity, then absolutely have a little bit of simple carbs, um, low protein beforehand. You don't want to have too much because obviously you're about to go into a gym session. So you don't want to feel heavy with food in your stomach. So if you can make yourself a little smoothie or have like a peanut butter banana sandwich, something simple like that in between. Um, and if your gym session is going to go longer than an hour, then it'll be important to refuel in between the two. But let's say your run was 30 minutes, your gym session was 30 minutes, quite low to moderate intensity, and you feel fine, then you probably good to go without in between a question uh we got a ton of was eating before runs should people eat before their runs jen yes so thinking of the duration and intensity of your run if it's a short easy effort run under an hour you'd probably be fine to go without eating unless of course you're used to having something before you run now if you're going for a run that is an hour or more, it's higher intensity, say it's also hot outside, you're going to be sweating a lot, then you definitely want to have something to eat and something to drink before um, you go out. And what that looks like would be 30 to 60 grams of simple carbohydrates, 30 to 60 minutes before you run. Question from, uh, I can't even pronounce this huge name, so... You'll know who you are if you listen uh, by remembering your question. He said, he asked, I've heard lots of conflicting information about eating sugar before meats. Uh, by that, he means like his race. Uh, what are your opinions mm -hmm. on that? Yeah, added sugar gets a bad rap just because for the general population, we want to limit added sugar because it doesn't have much benefit to our health. Now, from a performance perspective, added sugars is broken down into glucose, which is what our bodies use for energy. So if we're talking about performance benefits, you want to have foods that have added sugar in them before you race, because that's what our body is going to break down easily and help you not feel heavy before you go compete. Versus if you were to have, say, something that's high in protein or high in fiber, like if you had steak and potatoes before you ran, you'd probably feel quite heavy, quite sluggish, not what you want. So simple sugars are great before you train but or train or race, but outside of exercise is when we want to limit our added sugars. Kate asked, protein question mark, when should it be consumed for optimal benefit in relation to running slash workouts? 
Yeah, good question. Protein is great for after your workout because it helps our muscles rebuild and repair for the next session. So ideally within one hour of your training session, you want to have ballpark 20 to 30 grams of protein. Um, and if you want to get very specific, that could look like 0.4 grams per kilogram um, of protein after your training session. Gavin asks, should I use any nutrition during a long run? How long is your long run would be my question. Um, so we've been talking a lot about duration and intensity. If we're going over one hour, that's when you want to start to have about 30 to 60 grams um, of simple carbohydrates during your run. So most commonly is going to be gels, chews, or sports drinks. One isn't necessarily better than the other because it's all down to individual tolerance. So if you cannot um, cannot take gels for the life of you, then stick to the sports drinks, stick to chews. It's all individual. Carson asked, does getting in proper amounts of electrolytes help with recovery? It can help with recovery in the sense of restoring fluid balance. So if you are in a very hot and humid environment or you're a heavy sweater or a salty sweater, that's when electrolytes can come into play from the recovery aspect of restoring your fluid balance. Katie got straight to the point, asked, does ice cream make me faster? Maybe you it's know, black or it ice could. cream. It could. <laughs> it really could. Um, just going back to thinking about getting enough calories to support your training and your exercise. If you're doing all the all like the food things, right, you're eating balanced meals, you're eating your fruits and veggies, your whole grains, having a little dessert won't necessarily hurt you and could help reach your calorie goals. So looking big picture, I don't like to label foods as good or bad, um, but seeing that if you need to get calories in, ice cream could be a more efficient way than just eating fruits and vegetables on top of which, on top of all the good that you're already doing. Right. I actually heard a story maybe two-ish years ago, one to two years ago, um, and the Bowerman Track Club, uh, up until a few, up until recently, like they were the premier track club in the U.S., and one of their athletes, Vanessa Frazier, she's been on the podcast and a friend of mine, um, she was sharing this story on a different podcast. I'm forgetting the name of the podcast. I actually think it was a podcast with a sports nutritionist. And um, she's basically saying how she noticed that when at altitude, and I think they were at Flagstaff at this point, so 7,000 feet, so super high up in altitude doing crazy hard training, um, she would notice a significant difference in the workouts that the night before she had ice cream versus the nights she didn't have ice cream. And her hypothesis, and the um, sports dietitian kind of confirmed this, uh, was that like she was, I don't want to put words in her mouth, but to my recollection, essentially she was like underfueled and she needed the ice cream to hit her daily calories. So the next day going into the session, she actually um, was fully topped off versus the other sessions when she didn't she didn't get those calories in something like that. Hopefully I got it yeah. accurately enough, but that was the kind of the situation. It's funny because it sounds like almost exactly the scenario you kind of give out. Yeah, that's spot on. And even with some of the higher level athletes I've worked with, um, we always give them dessert for that exact reason of just helping them meet their calorie needs at the end of the day to set them up for the next day. And people like Vanessa, I mean, at altitude, you know, they're running ridiculous amounts of mileage. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're doing like, 
you know, a 10 mile track workout in the morning and then like a four mile jog in the afternoon. And it's like, like superhuman stuff. Yeah. yeah it's <laughs> like, how do you fuel that normally? Right. And in the healthy quote unquote, putting that in quotes, like diet, it can be very hard to get all those calories. And that's where I think things like ice cream probably come into play or, yeah. you know, like you worked with the Utah jazz for a few years, like how hard those guys work out. You know, I'm sure it is hard to get in those calories through like a traditional healthy setting. And that's also where the liquid calories come in as well. So those shakes and smoothies, you can put a lot into them and they won't fill the guys up as much because obviously eating a lot of food can be tiring and can be a full-time job sometimes. So um, yeah, a lot of different strategies to help athletes meet their caloric needs. When you worked with the Utah Jazz, obviously crazy prestigious organization, did you ever like notice or talk to any of like the personal chefs of players? I know this is a thing in some of the sports leagues. These players make enough that they have personal chefs. Did you ever witness this? Does this exist? Yeah. So some of the players did have their own chefs. Um, some of them also would just get catering from our kitchen as well. So we were pretty um, in tune with what the athletes were having and um, what their chefs were making them. Man, personal chef. Sounds nice. If any are out there, uh, I'll hire you for free. <laughs> Sounds like a nice time. You can be a podcast guest. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, Blake asked, what are staple foods a runner should include in their diet? Hmm. It's a very broad question. Yeah. I want to say, like, first thing that came to mind was carbohydrates. <laughs> um, just having that balanced, balanced meal, or sorry, the balanced diet. Uh, but Adequate carbohydrates is generally what I find most endurance athletes struggling to reach because the volume is quite high. So I guess I would just, I would just leave it at carbohydrates. Alex asked anything specific to female runners, certain vitamins they should keep higher question mark. Great question. Um, iron, iron, definitely. Um, especially for females with menstrual cycles, and um, this phenomenon called foot strike hemolysis. You lose iron every time your foot hits the ground. So if you're thinking about runners and how many times their feet are hitting the ground, <laughs> adds up quite quickly. Uh, so iron is definitely one for females to consider. Um, and then generally speaking, vitamin D, magnesium, and fish oil are kind of just like well-being ones that I'd like to recommend for athletes. Nez asked on the line of iron, um, he said, how does iron affect our athletic performance? Iron helps transport oxygen through the blood. So what that means is that nutrients, oxygen, they're going to get to your working muscles more efficiently if you have adequate iron levels versus if you're low in iron, you might feel more fatigued. You might have some more headaches. You might have lower energy. So it's important that we have adequate iron levels. Colton asked, what supplements should I be taking to take my running to the next level? Maybe just talk about two before here. I think that's a perfect place to include yeah. it. Yeah, so there's a product called Two Before, and it's a blackcurrant pre-workout powder. And that would be a great supplement to try um, to take your running to the next level because it helps with vasodilation, so increasing blood flow, and also with muscle recovery, so helping you bounce back between each session. And I'm curious, Jen, uh, as someone who has tried the product a bunch, do you have a favorite, caffeinated or non-caffeinated? It comes in both versions. 
I am definitely team non-caffeinated. Okay, me too. And that's purely because, yeah, that's purely because my caffeine tolerance is limited to a cup of coffee. And after <laughs> that, I'm <have> no more. <laughs> what are your thoughts? Let's say someone wants to try to before um, and they're, they have that very question. That's a DM I've gotten actually quite a bit. Should I get the caffeinated or non-caffeinated? And I'm always like, I don't do caffeinated, but it depends on the person. And a big reason is because I do generally have coffee and I don't want to have too much caffeine. Um, like what would, what would your thoughts be on caffeinated versus non-caffeinated? Yeah, completely individual, completely based on your own tolerance. If caffeine makes you feel jittery and anxious and borderline panic attack, then do not take the caffeine version. But if you are able to tolerate caffeine and are looking for a little extra boost of energy, it could be worth trialing. Um, I would also note that I know the audience is a little bit younger. So say if you are a high school student or a high school runner, I would stick to the non-caffeinated um, version just because when we're younger, our bodies are much more sensitive to caffeine. So I would wait to use the caffeinated version until you're in college or older um, and your body is less um, hypersensitive to the caffeine. Are the myths about uh, caffeine stunting growth, are those true? Do you know anything about those? That's a uh, myth in the US. Yeah, I was like, personally, I don't know too much about, I wouldn't know enough to speak on okay. whether or not it, it stunts growth. <laughs> Save it for round three. How about that? We'll open yeah. up round three yeah. of the podcast with that question. I'll start my research now. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I I've drank caffeine since maybe I went against uh, that advice there. I've been drinking caffeine since like freshman year of high school, uh, and I'm six two, so I'd like to think that it didn't stop my growth, or maybe it <laughs> did, and I'd be playing for the Utah Jazz, maybe, and I was like I was a six say, nine maybe four. You could have been six ten. Yeah, but... <laughs> exactly. Um, another question I have for you uh, on two before, and I was actually talking to Brendan about this um, at the running event. I think I was talking to him about this, um, or maybe someone at the booth. And just like two before is the only product I know that kind of hits both sides where it like helps with performance, but it also helps with recovery. Um, there are other products out there that I think do an awesome job, specifically like a gel company like Moriton. Like I'm a firm believer in using their stuff like kind of before workouts or like a gel after my warm up, And I think it helps a lot with athletic performance in the moment. Uh, but I don't know of anything that like hits both sides where it kind of has this dual effect. Um, what are your thoughts on that kind of dual nature? And is that like purely in relation to black currants themselves or something else within the powder? Yeah, so it's very specific to the New Zealand black currants. And I say New Zealand black currants because there are black currants grown in Canada and Europe, but the difference is that the UV exposure in New Zealand is significantly stronger, which makes for a unique growing environment. So because these berries are grown in the conditions that they are grown in, the research has shown that they give these performance effects. So the enhanced endurance and the muscle recovery, and that comes down um, to a certain mechanism that the berries work on. And then I guess one final question about two before. Um, I could try discovering it, but like, I don't actually know if I could. I feel like it has a very distinct taste, but something I think we emailed back and forth a little bit about like early days of working with each other is like the taste. It's a question a lot of people have is like blackcurrants sounds disgusting. What does it taste mm -hmm. like? What would be the closest thing you would refer to before to tasting like? It tastes unique to me. It tastes super good in my yeah. opinion. I enjoy drinking it. I would drink it without the workout benefits, but what's in your I ballpark? Say... What's the closest product to it? So 
people have like other consumers have described it as adult Kool-Aid. So that's one way I to put it. I could see that, yeah. But it's really just, it has this berry taste that is a little sweet and a little tangy. So if you just think of like a mixed berry juice, that's probably what the closest thing would be. Okay, moving on here. Um, this is an interesting one. Uh, I'd be curious to, t- to get, hear your response on this. Jackson asked, what is nutrition? What is nutrition? Good question. I would say it's the food you eat and how that impacts your body in the simplest terms. I like it. Because we have our we have our general nutrition and then we have our sports nutrition. And then they aren't quite the same recommendations. So nutrition is the food that we eat and how it affects our body. Kieran asked, what's the best percentage split of the macronutrients, carbs, protein, fat? I would guess that's pretty individual specific as well as did you work out hard that day versus like a rest day, easy day? Yeah, exactly. Um, Very individualistic. Generally speaking, 50 to 60% of your diet should be carbohydrates. 20 to 30% um, should be fats. And then 15 to 30% should be protein. So you would just work out those ratios um, based on your goals, based on where you are in training, um, et cetera. I think it's a great question from Ava. She said, how to help a teammate that's under fueling? Mm. I would say not labeling foods as good or bad, not having an all or nothing approach to food. I think there's a lot of stigmas against say added sugars or processed foods and it can make eating a lot more complicated and make people overthink the way that we eat. So just creating a more inclusive environment and a non-judgmental one where the foods that they eat aren't going to be compared to or criticized um, because that's what it can also come down to is just the food that we eat becomes our identity as well. So if if you're attacking what they eat, you're kind of attacking their identity away in a way too. So trying to create that safe, inclusive environment. Owen asked, is creatine good for endurance athletes? Creatine is more beneficial for our power athletes. So say if you are weight training for your runs, that's when creatine would be more beneficial than if you were to take creatine before you go out for a run. And the reason being is that creatine is the energy system that is for our quick explosive movements. So think two to 20 seconds and running as we know, isn't, is going to last more than 20 <laughs> seconds. Right. So creatine would be better for your strength sessions that will directly help your runs. But I would, I wouldn't necessarily recommend creatine before runs. Joe asked, do dairy products actually cause inflammation slash if not, should you have as a runner? If you're lactose intolerant, then dairy will definitely cause some inflammation for you. However, if you tolerate dairy, there um, are many studies showing that it is anti-inflammatory and is a part of a healthy diet, not to mention the benefits that it gives with calcium in our bone health. So especially if you're growing, it's important to get enough dairy um, to support your growing, your training, um, so that you limit risk of injury in the future. Question from Gracie. She asked, what does a typical day slash week look like for you? Not a nutrition question, but breaking up the nutrition questions here. 
Yeah. Um, so I guess a typical day for me right now is going to look a lot different than when I was a dietitian on a, a sports team. So right now I'm in a more of a marketing role. So it's a lot more communication with brand partners, with our sales team, um, meetings and whatnot in that sense. So every day is a bit different. Um, some days I'll be in back-to-back meetings. Other days it'll be more self-disciplined time management, creating content, planning um, future partners, um, and things like that. So it's a bit different from a nutrition sense where I'm not necessarily using my dietitian training every day, but it comes in every now and again. Michael asked, what differences should there be in nutrition for sprinters versus mid-distance versus distance runners? So the big thing we're looking at here is that we have different intensities and different distances. So our long-distance runners are probably going to need higher carbohydrate intake than our sprinters because they're going for longer, they're burning more energy. Um, and then the mid-distance runners are going to be kind of that happy medium. That's going to be probably the biggest difference is carbohydrate intake is going to look different across the three. Protein intake might be a bit higher in sprinters because they want to build their muscles, be more powerful um, to be quicker versus longer distance. We're focused on having sustained energy so that you're not bonking midway through your run. Jen, two final questions for you to wrap up today's conversation. Mm -hmm. It's been a ton of fun. Um, First question for you. So the good people of The Running Effect, many have tried to before. Um, Many others have not. Many, I'm sure, are listening and they're maybe like, you know, I'm sick of Dominic telling me about the benefits of black currants. I want to hear someone else say it. Uh, So in like 30 seconds or less, what would be your uh, pitch to people to try out the product and see if it works for them? Yeah, I mean, if you're looking for an upper edge for your endurance and your training, give black currants a try. Um, it'll help with the increased blood flow, so getting nutrients and oxygen to your muscles quicker, getting more out of the work you're putting in, and then it'll help with inflammation management and recovery so that you can keep doing your training sessions um, and giving your muscles the recovery that it needs. What I always say too is like, you know, the product's cheap enough that. I always say, try it out and see if it works for you. You know, worst case scenario, you spent a couple dollars. I think, I don't know if you still have this. Maybe you could speak on this. You had like $10 packs you could try. Um, yeah. Yeah. The sample packs we have, um, $8.99 for three packs. It's like nine bucks to see if a product works for you. You can't really beat that. And then from there you can decide if you want more or don't want to try it ever again. Um, and I feel like that's, a crazy deal. So that's what I'd say. Um, Jen, one final question for you. Final question. I ask a lot or not the final question. I ask a lot of guests, but like final serious question. I ask a lot of guests mm-hmm. that I'll ask you today to close out the episode for those who have listened to our conversation surrounding nutrition. What would be the final takeaway message you want to leave with our audience today? Um, I would say everything in moderation, you know, look at the big picture. Let's not label foods as good or bad. As we talked about ice cream can help you. So, We don't want to put labels on our foods. Um, And yes, just have everything in moderation and do what makes you feel good. I love it. Jen, appreciate you coming back on the podcast. Looking forward to doing this sometime soon, I'm sure, and answering the people's questions. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Dominic. It's been great chatting again. 
Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the podcast. I don't take your time for granted, so I hope that it brought you some wisdom and value that you can apply directly into your running and into your life. If you have not already done so, please consider giving us a follow and a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And then something all of you guys can do is share today's episode or the podcast in general with a friend or someone who you think will benefit from it. One more note, if you're not already following us on Instagram, consider doing so. My Instagram tag is at The Running Effect. I hope you're running and life is going well. I appreciate you taking time out of your busy life to listen to today's episode. I will catch you in two days when the next episode drops. Until then, happy running.